You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add Lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where today so much news is broken out. It must be a Monday, and oh, guess what? It is. It is a Monday. And uh, boy, we have not caught a break all day. It has just really been a gallop. A lot of important things going on today. We have a truly special guest, a, a somebody I consider an extraordinary gift to America. His contributions have have spanned over six decades. Uh, his name is Bob Woodson. You probably know him in his role as the founder of the Woodson Center, uh, as one of the great and iconic civil rights leaders of the 1960s who since the moment after the Voting Rights Act was passed, after he achieved much of what he tried to do in the 60s with other civil rights leaders, he broke from the civil rights movement to focus on self-empowerment, self-opportunity, moving the African-American community away from the victimization narrative to the empowerment opportunity. So many of his other colleagues stayed in that victimization mode, in that uh, big government uh, handout mode. And as a result, 60 years later, so much has not changed in the African-American community, despite all of these big government interventions. Um, and uh, he has a brand new book out. Bob has a fantastic new book out, Red, White, and Black, Rescuing American History from Revisionists and Race Hustlers. Boy, that's a tough word, race hustlers. But I think he's on to something. He talks about diversity consultants cashing in and making lots of money off the continuing suffering of at uh, the African-American community, and he talks about the disconnect between the elitists that run race policy and everyday African-Americans in the community who have so much more interest than just the issue of racism, economic opportunities, schools, healthcare, jobs, small business, uh, a really vibrant and, and uh, a beautiful community that often gets defined only by the issue of race, by, as he calls them, race hustlers. What a book, uh, and what an extraordinary opportunity to spend some time with a man whose life has been dedicated to making not only uh, black lives better, but also American lives better. He speaks the truth. He's not afraid to say what he means, and mean, and he always means what he says. And uh, he's also got a new curriculum out uh, for parents looking for an alternative to some of the school board School curriculums going around today, the critical race theory and other things that people are very concerned about. He's got a historically accurate alternative to the 1619 Project curriculum, so many other things. What a rich opportunity. What an incredible opportunity 
a man not only of history but of extraordinary contribution to uh, American society and to the dialogue we all need to have. Listen, we've got to get addressing the issues in black America. We need to address the issues of uh, race and trust and police, but it can't be done through scare tactics. It can't be done through alarmism. It can't be done through hustlers uh, selling us another false narrative. It has to be done through an honest dialogue, an honest assessment of data, and uh, real opportunities for white, black, Asian, uh, Hispanic Americans to all work together, all races, Native American. We can all work together. Uh, there are those in America that don't want us to work together because the strife creates a business for them. And Bob calls them out in his book. He calls them the race hustlers, the diversity consultants. And um, I think he's uh, got an incredible perspective, packed full of data and honesty. Uh, he calls things as he sees them. And I think his uh, interview today is going to be something you're going to be thinking about all week. I know I am. I was thinking about it all week and so excited that he could be joining us. Now, before we get there, a couple uh, important uh, stories that I want to uh, uh, pull out uh, pull out notes for you because I think it's important. When uh, over the weekend on Sunday, our good friend Congressman Devin Nunez, ranking Republican and former chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, put out a letter both to Avril Haines the director of national intelligence for Joe Biden and to President Biden himself. It has some explosive and very direct information. One is that there were people early on when the intelligence community was insisting that COVID was a natural phenomenon that had evolved from the wild. There were voices in the intelligence community that saw it very differently, the way people now see it. As you know, Avril Haines just recently said there, is only, there are two plausible theories for the origins of COVID-19. One is it evolved in the wild. The other is it escaped in a lab accident from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And the evidence for that is growing, according to Devin Nunes' letter to uh, Avril Haines and to Joe Biden, President Biden. And uh, in there, he talks about there were people early on when the community was rallying around the natural theory, the protect China theory, that were dissenting, that saw things in the intelligence data, saw things in the intelligence reporting in the aspects of how the virus acted that suggested that this may have been man-made, an accident from a lab, and they were drowned out, they were suffocated. Devin Nunez calls them out, and he asked President Biden to do something interesting. Take an all-government approach, and let's resolve this question forever. We did it after 9-11. We've done it after other major moments in American history. We're about to do it in the Capitol riots with a congressional commission bipartisan. Why can't we get to the bottom of the truth of what happened? Who's responsible? I think we need to know that answer. And uh, if you look at the letters today, uh, it's on the site under my byline, uh, Devin Nunez's letters. He asked President Biden for an investigation. He asked uh, for... Uh, Avril Haines, the director of national intelligence, to answer more than two dozen questions. They're very profound questions. And I think as you dig into them, you'll see uh, what is going on and how uh, in America uh, there is a legitimate debate that was suffocated for much of last year while President Trump was around. But increasingly, more and more people see the very strong possibility in the intelligence data, not because they want to see it, not because it's a great storyline or a fiction, because the data seems to suggest that COVID-19 may have been uh, altered 
uh, an altered COVID virus, a coronavirus that was altered for research and then accidentally escaped, possibly from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Now, the Institute, the Chinese, some people in the U.S. government continue to deny that. The World Health Organization seems to be pittering, pattering about trying to stamp that down. But other people, other people, intelligence with access to intelligence, with access to the genome sequencing of COVID-19 are increasingly so. And for the first time, the Biden administration acknowledges what the Trump administration was trying to tell us. Uh, it's very real possibility that escaped from the lab. Take a look at Devin Nunes' letter. It's embedded in my story. You can read it for yourself. You do not have to um, uh, take my word for it. You can read it and learn from yourself. I think it's actually really a remarkable story. Now, a couple other things. Governor Abbott was on TV over the weekend. He's the Texas governor. And he uh, laid out, I think, the most stunning data point yet uh, on the open border situation we have uh, endured since Joe Biden took office. Uh, we went from a very secure, quiet uh, border to a porous border with all sorts of problems. And Governor Abbott announced over the weekend that uh, border officials in, uh, in Texas have seized enough fentanyl to kill, you ready for this? 20 million Americans. They could wipe out New York and Chicago with that fentanyl. Why is that flowing across our border? Why did we open the holes and the wall and the security system? Why did we invite this? Why did we give the drug cartels an extraordinary opportunity to pump poison, to traffic young women, to traffic crime into our country when we had the situation so much more under control? Very important story. You can check that out on justthenews.com. Very important uh, dialogue there with Governor Abbott. Uh, really struck me with the, um, the precision of the data. And when you think about it, enough fentanyl to kill 20 million Americans. That's like a weapon of mass destruction. A very powerful statement by uh, the, the uh, governor of Texas. Now, uh, my good colleague, Susan Keating, who we've had on this show from time to time, we got to get her back on because she makes sense of the intelligence and security world, the military world, one of the best military reporters in the country, bar none. She's got a great story this morning on the role that the Cuds forces, the uh, elite part of the Republican Guard of Iran, what they've been doing to help Hamas in this current conflict with Israel. We've had uh, so many important guests on in the last week about that, but just dig down on this for a second. It is important to understand that Hamas didn't just act on its own, that it has been getting both moral, financial, strategic support from Iran, specifically through the Quds forces, Susan Keating lays this out in a very well-written, well-reported story. Check it out today. Uh, what's happening in Israel is not an accident. It was an opportunistic moment that Iran and the bad actors in Hamas seized together uh, with the change of guard when they, they wouldn't have pulled this on President Trump because they knew what the response would be from President Trump. Just ask the late General Soleimani, who got whacked by the, President Trump. Uh, he wasn't going to stand for this. President Biden has quietly sort of stood for this, and it's absolutely uh, uh, now a crisis in the Middle East, a place where just four months ago we had such stability. New peace agreements breaking out the Abram Accords. Now it's very different. Finally, another good story on the website uh, from my good colleague, uh, Nick Ballacy. He covers Congress, one of the best congressional reporters. I love when Nick writes a story because it's always leaning into something. Here's something he has dug up that I think is very important. Uh, there are lots of Democrats talking about one of the intentions of the Biden infrastructure plan. 
And it's not what you think it is. We think, well, we're going to build more bridges, better roads. They're saying what he's really trying to do and what they want him to do, Democrats say, is to get people to stop driving their cars. It's an anti-car agenda, not according to Republicans and critics, but according to the very Democrats who are touting and preparing and trying to push his infrastructure plan. This is part of the climate agenda. Um, uh, but uh, Nancy Pelosi, many other people have made comments in the last few days. Nick saw them because they often were ignored by the news media and put them into one great story. And, and he also reminds people of something we forgot. Joe Biden takes credit for the GM bailout. Well, now he may be working to put GM and other automakers out of business or shrink their business at least, as well as those jobs that go with the great blue-collar workers of Detroit, of the auto city. Uh, the headline is, Savior of GM? Question mark. Democrats' rhetoric on infrastructure raises fears that Joe Biden harbors an anti-car agenda. These are direct quotes from the Democrats. We're not making this stuff up. We're not guessing. You can read these quotes yourself. What a great story. What a great service from uh, my good friend Nick Ballacy, a fantastic congressional reporter here at Just the News. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, I promised you, and we are going to deliver, Bob Woodson, civil rights icon, uh, self-empowerment preacher in the African-American community, uh, the founder of the Woodson Center, the author of a brand new book, Red, White, and Black, Rescuing American History from Revisionists and Race Hustlers. You do not want to miss this interview. Some powerful words ahead, I'm certain, from the one and only, the great Bob Woodson, right after this commercial break. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale. Four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.us slash Just News. That's AMAC.us forward slash Just News. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, one of the most cogent voices in our country's history on the issue of civil rights and freedom in America and building our city strong, uh, Bob Woodson. He's the founder and president of the Woodson Center, and he's the author of a new great book. This book is fantastic, Red, White, and Black, Rescuing American History from Revisionists and Race Hustlers. Bob, welcome to the show. Pleased to be here. Pleased to be here. You had a tweet over the weekend that caught my attention. It surfaced in my, my, my Twitter deck yesterday, and it, it just really resonated with me, And because uh, I really believe this too. Racism is real, you wrote, and it's evil. 
But today it's used far too often as an excuse for the challenges that people have. Tell, tell, tell folks what you meant by that. I mean, I'm a veteran of the civil rights movement, and we struggled, and, and the purpose was so that we would be judged by the content of our character, not the color of our skin. And yet, um, uh, members of people in, in the radical left have really seized on America's uh, birth defect of slavery, and now projecting it as if it should be a, an indictment against and, and redefine the whole country. In other words, they have weaponized race. They, the, the left has weaponized race. When, in, in, when George Floyd died, there were so-called peaceful demonstrations to pursue justice for blacks. Right. And, but in the process of doing that, they, they um, appropriated the rich tradition of the civil rights movement and, and began to migrate it from seeking justice for blacks to burning books, uh, Bibles in Portland, burning the, the American flag, so there was an, really an appropriation of the civil rights movement and misapplying it to using it as a bludgeon uh, to, 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 to decimate our civic institutions and our values. It's, it's a remarkable thing. And, and the, 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 the 60s where you began your extraordinary efforts to help uh, make this country better, they're coming back a, a historical, but there's so much revisionism, the 1619 Project. And, the, and, and from that... There's all this discussion that today America remains a systemically racist country. As someone who led the fight against real racism, what do you think about the concept that today America is systemically racist? It's just ridiculous um, and, and false. It's false history. And also, I think it's important to know that a lot, a lot of the people on the left who purport to be speaking for, in the interest of blacks really are, are, do not reflect the sentiments in the black community. For instance, Black Lives Matter and all the rev other revisionists right. uh, are calling for the defunding of the police because the police are an extension of white supremacy. And, but when you look at the polls, 80% of black Americans polled are opposed to defunding the police. It's remarkable. The, the left is saying that uh, that they they are conveying the, the the belief that blacks get up every day and think of nothing but race. The reality is, sixty percent, according to Gallup, of blacks asked to what extent is racism a barrier to your to your future advancement. They said race is not a principal barrier to our advancement. So. So the, the 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 broad consensus in in the black community is that we have a concern about issues far beyond race, but you would never know that because the mainstream media continues to report that these this is, these minority voices on the left that are pushing this race agenda speaks for all black people, and it's just not true. And the other thing that's most insidious about it is that they're using race to justify, to exempt blacks from any personal responsibility. There's nothing more lethal than to convince a person that they have no responsibility for their faith and their actions, that and nothing is more uh, lethal than a good excuse for failure. And that's what they're doing. They say every, every evidence of disparity is related to racism. And 
you're not supposed to talk about independence and self-sufficiency. That if you if you if you if you uh, if if you talk about self-sufficiency and independence, that's racist. Yeah, they're, they're they're applying the label to everything and anything. It's absolutely remarkable, and and you know it's really interesting. I I've, I've been blessed to have followed your career for a long time, and of course, it, from the Washington Times on, had a chance to get to know you a little bit, and. I wanted that you know you had all these great civil rights leaders yourself included, and then after the 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 the, the great victories of the sixties and seventies, uh, a lot of the civil rights leaders went to a very left place, and you went to a very different place, and and that was you really preached self empowerment that the that, it, that victimization doesn't get you to the next letter on the run. You have really worked hard over the last. 30 years to, to encourage independence and self-empowerment and personal responsibility. How did so many of those who stood alongside you, why did they drift to the left? Why do you think they went to the big government solution uh, to, to the ills that you were talking about? And why did you go in a different direction? Well, that's an interesting question because I did part company in the late 60s when I realized that many of the blacks who suffered and sacrificed most did not benefit from the change. And so when the doors of opportunity opened up, a lot of the uh, civil rights leaders became uh, liberal democratic officials, and they ran for office and became mayors of these cities. And they were also the recipients of uh, uh, dispensing the $22 trillion spent on the poverty programs, where 70 cents of every dollar went not to the poor, but right. those who served the poor. And so... We, they got in, the poor have, over the last 50 years, have been a commodity. Wow. And, and the people managing uh, uh, the services to the poor were, were black elected officials. Yeah. And so I, I left the movement, or the movement left me, because, uh, as Dr. King said, what good does it do to have the right to eat in a restaurant of your choice or live in a neighborhood if you don't have the means to exercise that right? Yeah. Such and so they point. didn't work on empowering the poor. And so the, the biggest income gap is not between whites and blacks. It's low-income blacks and upper-income blacks. Right. Yeah, no, you're right. It is an extraordinary gap. And after 50 or 60 years of chronic government intervention, welfare, and, and uh, all the things that the federal government has done, the picture has not fundamentally changed at all. Is uh, it's gotten worse. It's, it's actually gotten worse. You're right. That's exactly right. And there was a little improvement in the last three years when we saw a big decline in poverty and a, a big decline in black unemployment. Um, do you think uh, the country at, at large and the African-American community more specifically are ready for a different viewpoint that maybe 60 years of the same thing, it's time to say it didn't work. Why don't we try something different? You know, yes, I just think that what they're trying to do is with, with black community is just harness the rage. First of all, create the, the, the attitude that we must always be angry and resentful and vengeful and because people are easier controlled when they're angry. That's right. And, and, and in a constant state of agitation. And that's what the left is doing, keeping, uh, keeping black America and, and the country riveted on black rage and black exemption from personal responsibility. But I think, I'm hoping that whites will experience race fatigue and black communities will will, dis, will experience dependency fatigue. The codependency just hasn't worked and, and there's so much opportunity that the government could be unleashing right now. 
you you talk about and i think this is one of the great untold stories of uh the 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 race issue in america today you talk about diversity consultants that really a lot of what's going on today is designed to make a, a small group of elitists rich at the expense of, of a much larger population. Talk a little bit about the money-hungry diversity consultants that you, you call out in your book. Well, they, th- that's true. I mean, every corporation, a lot of the major corporations, education systems, uh, municipal governments, are all hiring uh, diversity and getting diversity auditors. And also people... Uh, vice presidents of colleges making six-figure incomes are coming to to run the office of diversity and and, equi- and equity, uh, and so it has it, it, along with the poverty industry now now you have a a race grievance industry um, that that makes us living off of teaching racism in order to end racism, which is the the ultimate <laughs> kind of dilemma. It's True, isn't it? I mean, that, yeah. that, when you say it, you laugh for a second because it seems so preposterous, but it's exactly what's going on. How did we get to this point? You know, I, I think what, 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 and I think it escaped, critical race theory escaped from the university and has seeped into and is poisoning the general public. Mm. Uh, but I just really think they're, they're engaging a kind of overreach uh, and I, I believe there's going to be a, a backlash uh, against it. I know we're doing everything we can at the Woodson Center to pro- to promote a backlash. And right. our uh, new book, 1776 Unites, um, we are providing content uh, to school systems, to parents, to the general public, so they can be armed with facts to push back against the revisionist history of 1619, and we, we're developing actually school curriculum, and we've had uh, 11,000 downloads in a few weeks uh, wow. for our curriculum, and we're, every month we're issuing a different grade. So I just think that we're delighted to, to be able to um, supply the kind of content that acts as a countervoice to the misleading and revisionist history of 1619. We challenge them to debate, they won't do so. Yeah, they're afraid of that debate because there's too many historical inaccuracies. They, the whole debate would be taken up by the inaccuracy of it all. <laughs> it's, it really will. But I'm, I'm hoping that there will be race fatigue and, and, and dependency fatigue on the part of the black community um, but we we find deep in the DNA that there's a real desire to support the virtues of the founders. Interesting. You know. Yeah. So, I mean, there's such, the media does such a terrible job at this, and they, they portray the African-American community as this monolithic thing. Everybody walks, th- thinks, and talks and expects the same thing. And, and in fact, it's such a rich uh, community that has so many different and diverse wishes and needs, and the media has really been a big cohort in, in, in bringing on a lot of this, uh, false, uh, narrative. Do you find, well, well, yeah, but it's, it's, it's really a progressive form of racism. Yes, it is. It, it, it really does. And, and it's more, in, it's less lethal than the old racism, but much more insidious. Mm. You know, there's a part of me as a veteran of the sixties. I wish I had old fashioned bigotry back. <laughs> wow. 
That's a hard job. But it's so hard to fight today because when you try to challenge this, you immediately get called racist. You get canceled. Exactly. Well, that wasn't the case with, with old-fashioned bigotry. That's right. It was external. But right now, it is sowing the seeds of self, self-destruction self on the part of black America to, to, to convince when people are trying to convince you that, that that your enemies are only on the outside and it ignores the enemy is on the inside. And so many of the civil rights leaders, not only I, I said that what they're engaged in is really treason, moral treason, mm. to uh, commit this assault on, on people's uh, capacity to, to be agents of their own uplift. Right. There's nothing more insidious than convincing a person. I think it was Carnegie Woodson, the black historian, said, if you condition people to enter through, in, through the back door, even if there isn't one, they'll demand that you build one. Isn't that interesting? Wow. Yeah, very perceptive. You're right. The, um, uh, we talk about the debate, and it's so much more than a debate because every day, there are actions in the um, in the public policy sphere that are being driven by by the sixteen nineteen project by all of this um, uh, victimization and race strife that's being created externally. When you look at this now uh, in Congress, there are these you know uh, HR one SRS one HR four that tried to apply remedies of the nineteen sixties Voting Rights Act to uh, twenty the twenty first century. Do you think that is a smart uh, approach, or do you think that we're trying to fix something that doesn't exist today? We're trying to fix a problem that does not exist. I mean, it's all, again, it's, it's always elements of, of personal insult to blacks that somehow uh, we're not smart enough to get an ID identification, right. and therefore requiring it as racist. Um, and and it, it when you begin to like when you begin to apply all these exemptions from the standards that everyone else has to conform to, it's almost as if black America is being uh, treated like an exotic pet. Wow. (laughs) Yes, that's a powerful statement, but it is right. It's just, it it, is so unusual. It's demeaning. It's it's insulting. It's demeaning. It's patronizing. And and it it makes me really angry when I hear people. Jason Riley summed it up. He told white yep. people should stop helping black people. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. It would get a lot better if it would get a lot better if yeah. white people just take a pledge to stop helping black people. Get out of the way. Yeah. Get out of the way. Stop telling us that we that on on the one hand America is a racist society. And then those same races are the agents that's going to deliver you from yourself. What kind of message is that? If you're saying the country is incurably racist, and then you want to turn to that same country and say, I want you to to give us the means by which we can deliver ourselves from our self-inflicted wounds. Right. What kind of message is that? It's it's insane. It's absolutely insane. You know, when you look at the polling data, you mentioned some of the polling data. How encouraged are you that uh, the younger you go into the African-American population, the more... Uh, belief that there is that uh, it really isn't about racism right now. It's about economic opportunity and self-empowerment. Do you see new generations of African-Americans, and for that matter, all Americans, maybe creating a new uh, paradigm in the future that drops some of the stuff that we're seeing today? Yeah, I really do. You know, I I, I think that um, 
this new generation uh, did not live through the 60s. Right. And uh, and so I think that they're they're more inclined to talk about personal responsibility and and achieving, um, and and it's a lot of the old guard that is pushing back. But my I'm really sad at how the civil rights movement has abandoned its moral authority, and how it has allowed the left to co-opt the civil rights movement mm. and and uh, act like a, a like a uh, a parasite. On that, on that rich legacy, and that's what the left has done. The very fact that I'm watching on 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 the internet, on on television, a white woman with a Black Lives Matter T-shirt on, plummeting and beating a black woman mm-hmm. who's in a Trump parade, who's pushing her toddler in a stroller, she was set upon by this white woman. Mm. With Black Lives Matter, have we gotten to this level of depravity? Mm. And the uh, you you talk about a potential backlash as you look out uh, over the political horizon right now and the things that must happen. What uh, what are the three most important things that America can do right now to get past this moment of insanity? Uh, I think politically, economically, are two of the questions, and I think the third one is. In academics, you've mentioned schools. I, I had the um, former Israeli ambassador to the United States here, and he said, I, I, I have such great respect for the United States, but when did your university start turning out students trained to hate America? When, when did that happen? I said, I don't know. I can't answer that question. You met, uh, Are those some of the key politics, uh, economics, academia? Is that three of the places where we need to get cures? We, that, that's one of the places. I'm hoping that's, that some of the people who endow these institutions, some of the the, the major donors began to take action against these universities, so they have to pay the price of it. I mean, many of the donors can't, who may, who are capitalists, can't even uh, give a lecture in a building f- with their names on it to explain how they made their living, how they made their income. Isn't that ironic? It's crazy. Yeah. That the people who paid for the buildings can't even come in and explain to students how and why they were able to raise their, to, to create their wealth. Unbelievable. We are living in amazing times, but I think you're right. I think the backlash is just over the horizon and about to come. Bob, two things. First, how do people get a copy of your book? It's such a fantastic book. You can go on Amazon it's, uh, and, and, uh, and, and order it. Uh, it's it starts on for sale tomorrow. Fantastic. Red, White, and Black, Rescuing American History from Revisionists and Race Hustlers, available tomorrow. Get online, folks, and get this book. It's such a powerful read. A second thing I wanted to ask, Bob, how do people get involved with the new curriculum that you're putting out? I think i talked to so many people. You can go on our website, 1776 Unites, and you can download our curriculum. It's available free. Well, what an amazing gift to the American public that you've uh, once again given. You've given us many gifts over many decades, but... We are so grateful for what you continue to fight for every day, Bob. God bless you so much, and thank you for the time today. And bless you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it was an honor. Thank you. All right. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. A lot of things to think about. Bob Woodson, so much wisdom in the words he just spoke. 20 minutes of wisdom is worth a lifetime of listening. Such an important man. All right, we'll be right back after this commercial break. 
Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. All right, folks. Welcome back from the commercial break. It is time to wrap things up. What a great show today. Bob Woodson, wow. My head is spinning so much to think about. If you want to go uh, check out his curriculum for schools, it doesn't have an anti-American race revisionist uh, feeling to it like the 1619 Project that a lot of school districts are embracing. Go go to his site, 1776 Unites, 1776 Unites. If you want to get his book, go right on Amazon. It's available tomorrow. Such an important book. But at the end of the day, what's most important about Bob Woodson is the words of wisdom. That in all of these places where he speaks, he speaks to all of us. You, you don't have to be black or white. Uh, whether you're Latino, black, white, Native American, Asian, um, there is a clarion call in his words for us to get along, to embrace what makes us great, to stop hating America like some on the left are trying to lure us into we are an amazing country of amazing people. Bob Woodson is living proof of that, a man who emerged from the civil rights movement to give us 60 extraordinary years of public service and thought leadership in America. We have so much to be proud of. We have so little to hate among ourselves, yet there is a professional effort to get us to hate each other, to divide, to conquer, because it makes those who do this lots of money. How much Black Lives Matters has been collecting in corporate donations? It's in the billions. There is a race hustler phenomenon, Bob Woodson told us today. Got to think about that, that maybe what's going on in America is really about someone's personal profit at our sanity, our American sanity, American security, American fraternity. We have so much more in common than, than what separates us, and there are those trying to separate us because it is making them money It's time to stand up and say, enough. Bob Woodson made a big prediction on the show today that the African-American community may soon be tired of this race narrative. They might want to put it in the rearview mirror in a big way, and that could be bad for the far left of the Democratic Party. Interesting words from really one of the great iconic leaders of the civil rights movement, who today is just as cogent and important to the American debate as he was back in the 1960s. All right, that wraps it up. Tomorrow, we're going to have some more news, some more guests. I hope you come back in the meantime. If you need that news fix, I do. I check it all weekend long, not just because I own it, because I want to. Just the news. We're always breaking news. We're keeping you um, abreast of all of the breaking news, and we always have great enterprise and investigative stories like the ones I mentioned at the beginning of today's show. All right, give it a check whenever you need a news fix. And until then, 
May God bless you and may God bless this extraordinary country, the United States of America, as he always has. Have a good night. Godspeed. We'll be back with you tomorrow. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.